is a joy and a privilege uh, to be here with you on the first Sunday of the new year. I don't know what your 2017 was like, but for Becky and I, we're ready to shut the door on 2017. Some of you had some great things happening, and you're going to carry that momentum into 2018, and some of you look back at 2017, and you're going, wow, it's a fresh beginning. Come on, somebody say it's a new beginning. It's a new beginning. Yeah, it's a joy and a privilege to be here. We want to take just a moment to honor uh, Pam and Ritchie. They've been, uh, man, they've been friends of ours for a long time, walked us through some very dark days and very great days, and... You know, it's, it's amazing because just the, the point that, um, that we would be the lowest, that we're ready to tap out, we'd just receive a text message or a phone call or an email with just a right word at the right time. And we just, I think we ought to honor the mama and the pop of the house, Pastor Richie and Pam Brown, pastoring this church. It was amazing because, and the staff here is just second to none, absolutely fantastic, one of the best staffs we've ever been a part of and been around. It's just, they're just doing an incredible job. Back between the services, I was talking to a guy that <clears throat> twice a week on Sundays and then back on Wednesdays, him and his family drive 45 minutes to be here. And so I just want you to understand, you know, Chris Kane spoke at our church. We are in a church in Oklahoma City one time. Chris Kane spoke there, and she said, we have to work really hard because she's a part of Hillsong Australia. And she said, we have to work really hard to not take for granted what God's doing right in front of us. And I just want to encourage you guys, you're a part of a tremendous work of God that God is multiplying and using you in powerful ways. And Becky and I just want to say thank you because you've impacted our lives. Praise God. Praise God. Well, listen, Becky and I pastor, uh, we've been pastoring in uh, Denton. And so the first, I don't know, 18 months or so, we were uh, meeting at the Cinemark Movie Theater. And, and so we'd show up on Sunday mornings, we'd put all the stuff in. We had a couple of theaters that we met in, then break it down all after the service, put it back in the trailer and, and store it again. And one uh, particular Easter, we were going to do an outreach in the park. And so we went to the city of Denton, figure out which park would be the best. Well, they didn't really want us in any parks, uh, but they put us in this one park that nobody else, no other churches wanted to go in. It was one of the, most, the poorest parts of town. And so we were doing an Easter outreach, uh, Easter egg hunt, and giving away some stuff. And then we saved the big prizes for Sunday mornings. And so we wanted them to show up on Sunday mornings to be a part of the church so they could see where we may, uh, so that possibly they could be a part of the church in the days ahead. Uh, and a lot of people showed up. It's it pretty well full in that theater on that Sunday morning. Uh, but about 75% of them had never been in church before, which is awesome. So we're, uh, I, I, we, had, we had donuts and coffee out in the hallway. We had snacks and stuff out there. And, and so we, were just, we just told them when they came in, it's, it's a pretty casual service. So if you need to go to the restroom, feel free to get up and go to the restroom. Just come back. It's pretty casual here. And so I got up to, to start the message for the day. And uh, I probably shouldn't have made the, the announcement about being as casual as we are uh, because they were so casual that they decided to not only take advantage of the donuts that were in the hallway, they decided to take orders as I'm preaching. So occasionally somebody would get up and go, hey, I'm going for two chocolate donuts. Y'all want any? Coffee good over here? Okay. <laughs> and the whole time I'm trying to talk and this craziness is going on. I mean, kids are just going crazy. They're serving food in and out. And I'm sitting there going, what in the world? I mean, they're more interested in the donuts than they are this talk that I'm doing right now. And then at the end of that talk, 28 people gave their life to Jesus. 
And so what seemed to be chaos, how many of you know, in the middle of all of the circumstances going on in our life, we can really miss the significant things that God's doing right in our midst. Sometimes we think it has to be in order in the way that we think it needs to roll out, and God's go, I'm God. I'll work in the midst of the chaos to bring something beautiful out of it. Several years ago, Becky and I were on staff at a Baptist church in the south part of Oklahoma City, and our senior pastor had left, the church had declined, and we were, we were in pretty dire straits financially. It was not in good shape. Attendance-wise, it wasn't in good shape. And so one of the men of the church uh, was going to, God put a message on his heart uh, to speak about changes that we need to make as a congregation to be able to step into the plans that God wanted for us. And so he built the whole message around a bus analogy. And he said, right now, church, our bus is headed to Kansas City, out of Oklahoma City, which is north. And he said, I really believe that God is calling us to Dallas. It's the south. So in order for us to step into the plans that God has for us, we need to change course. We need to change directions. We need to do some things a little bit differently in order to step into the plans and the promises that God has for us. And at the end of that service, it was a great altar time. People were praying and just really getting a vision of what God wanted to do that particular year. Well, all except one lady. She came up after the service and she said, Brother David, this new bus ministry that we're starting, can they pick up my kids? <laughs> totally missed the point of the entire message. You know, how many of you, we, we get it, if you've ever raised kids, how many of you know that sometimes your kids can totally miss the point? Yeah. Have a conversation, they do something, you're like, did I even say anything? There's nothing that was interpreted right. And, and it, though it's humorous to miss the point of things sometimes, how many of you know as the church, we can't miss the point of following Jesus? We have to keep the main thing. We can't be the type of church that misses the point. We, have to, we can't miss the entire point of following Jesus. In fact, in John chapter 14, verse 12, the word of God says this. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works. Now, who was saying that? It was Jesus. Jesus was saying, anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done. Which is a pretty incredible promise. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, and even greater works. Somebody say greater works. Because I am going to be with the Father. Hey, I want to pause just a moment and just welcome our online audience. Thank you guys for joining us today. It's a joy and a privilege to be able to speak into you. And I love it that you connect with Amarillo Fellowship every week. Thank you for joining in. It is a joy to have you to be a part of the body of Christ. And as always, thank you guys for showing up in the house. How many of you know it's a lot easier to preach if you got a building full of people and not just a camera looking at you? But you guys on, that are joining us online are very significant. God has great things in store for you in 2018. Listen, we're talking about a message today called Occupy All Streets. Somebody say Occupy. Occupy. All, streets. all Streets. Occupy All Streets. You see, the job of the church, the job of believers has never been to sit in a nice building in our comfort zone. I mean, it's great to have a, a, a nice, comfortable church to be in. In fact, I was sharing with them earlier, uh, a couple of Sundays ago, it, it doesn't get as cold in Denton as it does here. Uh, but it was cold that particular morning. And when I got to church, I found out the heaters were not working. So when I walked into the main auditorium, it was 54 degrees in there. 
And, and we were just like, we, I went to Walmart, bought as many heaters as I could. I set them in the auditorium, plugged them all in. And then I found out that all of the circuits were tied together. So as soon as we turned them on, the breakers popped. So we took $150 worth of heaters, carried them back out, and we had church in cold that day. But those circumstances that we walk through don't hinder what God wants to do. So many times we begin to think because it's cold in here, God can't move. God can work in the midst of our circumstances. I love that we have nice buildings and comfort zones to sit in, but the job of the church and the job of the believers have never been to, to, just to sit in a nice building. The, the job of the, the church, the job of believers has never been to just exist and feel better about yourself. Now, if you grew up in a denomination that it felt more like a whipping from the pulpit than it did an encouragement, you felt like every time you went to church you were in trouble, you felt like God was just up in heaven ready to zap you and to kill you because of that thought you had last week, you need to get a proper perspective of who you are. The Bible says the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you became not a sinner, you became a son and a daughter. You don't have to stay in the outer courts. You can come right up next to daddy because he has good things in store for you. And so we need to have a proper perspective as we go into 2018. But that's not the end. God wants to do greater things through you. The job of the church of believers is not to, to do enough good stuff so that you can check off your Christian box. Any of you guys grew up in a church, um, if you grew up in church, that you'd show up and there were offering envelopes that had all of the boxes that you would check off? So you'd sit down in Sunday school or whatever, and you'd get your offering envelope out, and you'd start checking the stuff off. Like the first box was here? Like, why'd they put that one on there? If you're not there, you're not filling the sucker out. I don't know what that's all about. Offering, read my Bible, all of this stuff. But what I found in my life a lot of times is I would come to church and do those things so I could check off the box. But it wasn't so that I would get empowered to go occupy a street somewhere. And so it's not about checking off a box. You see, you are where you are because God wants you to bring good news to everything that moves. Good news to everyone that moves. You're here to occupy every street. You're here to occupy all streets. You see, when Jesus walked on this planet, he occupied every street that he walked on. There was not a person he did not impact. There was not a place that Jesus went and showed up and went, mm, okay, nobody there. He always occupied that street, the word occupied literally means to engage the attention of or energies of, to take hold or possession of, to reside as an owner. That's what Jesus did everywhere. Even when he did crazy things like just going for a walk. And I want to share with you today out of the word of God, just a day that Jesus was going for a walk. And instead of just going for a walk, which is a mundane thing, he occupied the street that he was walking on. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10, I'm going to read out of the Message Bible. It says this. Then Jesus entered and walked through Jericho. There was a man there. His name was Zacchaeus, <coughs> the head tax man and quite rich. He wanted desperately to see Jesus, because, but the crowd was in his way. He was a short man and couldn't see over the crowd, so he ran on ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus when he came by. When Jesus got to the tree, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, 
hurry down. Today is my day to be a guest in your house. The first record that we know of where somebody crashed somebody else's party. Jesus walking by, see Zacchaeus. Well, let me just tell you, if I am walking in my neighborhood and I see a man in a tree, bye-bye. I am gone because that's freaky. Now, Jesus, Jesus walking on the street, holla at your boy, Zacchaeus, coming to your house today. I'm going to come eat your food and you paying for it. You don't see where Jesus is going, I'm coming over to your house. Hey, do you have to just call your wife? Is there, no, is there a roast on? Is there no? Jesus is like, I'm coming to your house. He pulled out his checkbook. I'm coming to your house. Zacchaeus scrambled out of the tree, hardly believing his good luck. Delighted to take Jesus home with him. Everyone who saw the incident was indignant and grumped. What business does he have getting cozy with this crook? Now, why do these people call him a crook? Well, he's a tax collector. Now, there are laws that govern the IRS that collects our taxes today. But back in the day, the tax collector set his own salary. And there wasn't a regulatory commission that he had to file a report with. So if he liked you, maybe he wouldn't charge you as much tax. But if he didn't like you, he could charge you whatever he wanted. He could literally set how much he made during the year determined by how much tax he collected from people that came in. And they were obligated to pay. So oftentimes it was an underhanded, it was a crooked thing. And they became wealthy and lived a privileged life simply because they lived by cheating people. So the people that saw Jesus walking up to Zacchaeus in the tree, the crook, and Jesus said, I'm coming to your house today. I wonder if there were people there that day that said this. That can't be the son of God because he's talking to a crook. I mean, that guy, I mean, maybe somebody had lost their hut or whatever they lived in and said, he's the reason. Now, Jesus, you're going to go to that house and enjoy that good food from this punk that just stole my stuff. So they were grumping. Zacchaeus just stood there. He hears what's going on. Zacchaeus stood there a little stunned and he stammered apologetically. Master, I'll give away half of my income to the poor. And if I'm caught cheating, I pay four times the damages. And Jesus looked at him and he said, today salvation has come in this home. Here he is. Listen to what he says. Zacchaeus, son of Abraham. For the son of man came to find and restore the lost. Well, when Jesus went for a walk, he occupied that street. And because Jesus chose to occupy that street today, one life that was a crook, one moment in the presence of Jesus, his entire life was changed. He occupied his street. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times I am content not to occupy my street because it's a little bit more convenient not to say anything. It's a little bit more convenient not to do that. But Jesus took the moment to occupy his street. And because he occupied that street, a life was changed. And I'm telling you, Jesus is calling us, or God is calling us to be just like him. And if we're going to be like him in 2018, we need to occupy our street. And I know there's some of you going, well, yeah, that's Jesus. But listen, pastor, you don't know what I did in my last marriage. You don't know what I said to my kids last week. 
You don't know the addiction that has controlled my life for a long time. You just don't know. And a lot of times what happens is when we begin to start to occupy our street, the enemy wants us to start looking back at every failure that we've made and say, see, you're not qualified. But I just want to remind you today, the moment you put your faith in Jesus, you were marked qualified forever. Some of you need to hear that because you've disqualified yourself. When the one that gave his life for you says you're qualified. You're qualified to occupy your street. And the street that you occupy is going to be different than the street that I occupy. And that's what I love about the body of Christ. Because you have gifts, talents, and abilities and people that you relate to that are different than the ones that I relate to. And when we come together as the body of Christ occupying our street, it's not one life, but hundreds of lives are changed for the kingdom forever. And Jesus said, greater things will they do that come after me. So I want to talk to you today about occupying your street. And there's two things that I want to share with you today if you're taking notes. And you should. (laughs) Statistically, you're 87% more likely to go to heaven if you take notes. (laughs) And 92.3% of statistics are made up on the spot. So do with that what you want. Point number one, there's two points I want to share with you today. And the first one is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. I think it will help you. There are a lot of people that desperately want to see Jesus, but the crowd is in the way. There are a lot of people that desperately want to see Jesus, but the crowd is in the way. Luke 19 verse 1 says this, Then Jesus entered walk, and walked through Jericho. There was a man there, his name Zacchaeus, the head tax man and quite rich. He wanted desperately to see Jesus, but the crowd was in his way. He was a short man and couldn't see over the crowd, so he ran on ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus when he came by. See, church, we're a church. Amarillo Fellowship is a church that is trying to get the crowd out of the way so the people can see who Jesus really is. Now, let me explain that for a moment. Does that mean that, that we don't want anybody to show up? No, we want you here. But more than anything, we want you while you're here to see Jesus. Not to see human, not to see human effort, but to see Jesus. Because one moment in the presence of Jesus changes things forever. You see, in your job, when you occupy your street, what you do is you point people to Jesus. In your house, you point people to Jesus. In your school, you point people to Jesus. And when you're pointing people to Jesus, you're occupying your street. Becky and I have a, um, a restaurant that we like to eat in, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. It's called Culver's. Culver's is a little hamburger place. They started up north. They make their own root beer. It's fantastic root beer if you like root beer. But for less than $6, you get a hamburger, you get fries, you get a drink, and you get custard with some kind of topping on top. And so it's the whole package. And so we love going there. And so when we, uh, we were going there for a while, and, and Becky and I were talking about occupying our street, and Becky's just decided, I'm going to occupy my street at Culver's. And so she went in, and I'm like, oh, give me a burger and some fries. And Becky's talking about building relationships with people. In fact, there was a lady that, that Becky met that Becky actually prayed for while we were there, whose husband was going through cancer. In the middle of people ordering burgers and custard, Becky's laying her hands on this lady that she didn't know. 
and praying over that God would touch her husband and heal him of cancer. Well, we were just there this past week, and Becky asked him or asked her, how's your husband doing? And she said, he's doing really good. He's kind of ornery, but he's doing really good. It's occupying her street. And that's the calling that God has put on our lives. You see, Jesus made a difference in everyone's life. Everyone he met, he occupied that street and made an impact. And we as the body of Christ should occupy all streets. Every school should have a Christian in it. Sometimes we think there's a Christian school over there. That's where the Christians go. Listen to me. We need Christians in God-forsaken schools to to be the light of Jesus and point somebody to Jesus. Every business should have a Christian on it, in it. Not just the businesses that are the clean businesses that we think, hey, that's a good place for a Christian. But even those businesses we don't want to go in. Those businesses need somebody to occupy that street. Every entertainment venue should have a Christian in it. Every concert should have a Christian in it. About a year and a half ago, my daughter Faith wanted to go see Justin Bieber. So I'm like, all right, I can go see Justin. So I put it off to the last minute. So the day of the concert, I told her, we got to, I'm like, how sorry is this as a dad? The day of the concert. Okay, Faith, if we can find a ticket today, we'll go to Justin Bieber. Can I tell you that girl found a ticket? (laughs) Two of them. Bought it at the last minute, and we sat just on the side of the stage. We had a great shot. And I'd seen all the stories about Justin Bieber. I'd seen him wrecking his stuff. I'd seen him getting drunk and doing all this crazy stuff and all the stuff that that you read about in the news. And then we started the concert. And to open the concert, uh, Justin comes out of the floor in this plexiglass thing. And he takes a magic marker and starts writing the gospel on that magic marker to open that concert. You see, when there would be others that would condemn him because of his past actions, there were a few people that took him under their wing and began to speak life so much so that it changed him that he began to share the gospel during the secular concert. Somebody occupied that street. Every store should have a Christian in it. You see, there's a lot of people that that desperately want to see Jesus, but the crowd is in the way. And our job as believers is to part the crowd so the people can see Jesus. Because I want to remind you, one moment in the presence of Jesus changes everything. The second thing that I want to speak to you about, not only is there a lot of people that desperately want to see Jesus, but the crowd is in the way. Secondly, I want to talk to you about this. If you were to occupy your street, you have to understand that you are defined by who you carry. Because some of you today joining us online and some of you in this room are still trying to define your life or let others define your life by some mistake that you've made in the past. We're so quick to remember those times that we fell short and we forget those times that we were faithful to God. And what we think is some God is some cosmic killjoy getting ready to zap us or kill us because we've had that thought. And what we need to understand is that we are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. And I just want to be more like him. Do I get it? Do I get it right all the time? No. In fact, you put the big 10 up there. You know what the 10 commandments 
I'm doing pretty good to knock out about five of them on a good week. So if we're going to base this on our performance, we don't have a chance. But because we base it on the performance of the only one that was ever perfect, and all we did is we put our faith in Jesus, and we become the righteousness of God. Even when we fall short, God still sees us as righteous. So what we have to do, we have to repent. You know what repent means? I mean, like when I was growing up, I thought repent means I come down to the altar and I blow snot and, you know, all this kind of stuff, and I hug somebody, and then I go home. Well, repent just means you change your mind. So when I fall short, I go, Lord, that's not who I am. I'm the son of God. I'm the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. And I'm choosing not to do that again because that's not a reflection of who I am. And I think there's probably some joining us online or somebody in this audience today that you just need to break the mirror to the past and live your life with the confidence that you've been forgiven by the only one that was ever qualified to make you forgiven. You are defined by who you carry. Uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 8 through 10 says this. Zacchaeus just stood there. Jesus came by, come to your house. Everybody's grumbling. Zacchaeus just stood there a little stunned and he stammered apologetically. Master, I give half of my income to the poor. If I'm caught cheating, I'll pay it back four times. And Jesus said, today... Is the salvation day in this home. Here he is, Zacchaeus, son of Abraham. For the son of man came to find, come on somebody. Some of you feel a little lost. Not that you just lost your way. The son of God is saying, I've come to find and restore. Some of you lost some things in 2017. And the enemy's telling you, you're just going to have to deal with it. And God's going, oh, yeah, I'm going to restore what's been lost. Jesus took a walk and occupied his street. He sees a random guy in a, in a tree and invites himself over to his house. And just upon meeting Jesus, one encounter changes his entire life. He was on a walk and refused to be defined as just a carpenter. Who was Jesus? He's a carpenter's son. Son of Joseph, isn't he the carpenter? He refused to let people define him with a label. And I think if the Son of God did that, I think we should follow in his footsteps. Friend, don't let the words of somebody else define who you are. Don't let a mistake define who you are. Let the words of Jesus define who you are. And if your faith is in him, he says, son, daughter, come on in. You know, when you're a servant, you have to ask to come into the house. But when you're a son or daughter, you just come on in. You got the combination to the lock. When you're a servant, you have to ask, oh, would it be possible? When you're a son, you just come in, hey, dad, I need 20 bucks. Can I get 20 bucks from you? And you know, most likely, dad's going to give you that 20. Come on, man, you can do better than that. Most likely, dad's going to give you that 20. That's what I'm talking about. Becky and I, several years ago, held a tent crusade. <laughs> I know what we're thinking. We held a tent crusade in a windy city that had never had a tent crusade before. 
People told us, don't do a tent crusade because the wind's going to blow the tent down. Well, they're partially right because it blew a third of the tent down. We rented one of those Barnum and Bailey three-ring circus tents and we put it up on Main Street. People would literally come to the crusade because they're like, you lost your mind. The first night of that outreach, it was a five-night outreach, the first night of that outreach, a storm came through the city. And I had, I called my prayer team and I said, okay, guys, how bad is it? They said, we're watching the radar. It's terrible. It's as white as the county. It's coming right at you. I said, drive the city. So they got in their cars. They started driving around the city. They started praying against that storm. God, we have a, we have a crusade going on here. Turn the storm. I kid you not. I had somebody film this. It was coming up the, the radar. When it got to the city that we're in, it took a right-hand turn. Went around the city. Now, Oftentimes what we think is there's no residual products from that. Let me tell you, the constant wind speed underneath the tent was 70 miles an hour. It gusted up to 90 on the tail end of that storm. And there was a third of that tent that collapsed. So we had a lot of farmers, a lot of trucks. They, they tied the tents to their trucks and their Suburbans. They pulled it back up. So we did a crusade with a tent that was held up by trucks and Suburbans. And that night, there's a lady that came in, owned one of the restaurants in town very successful gave her life to Jesus and over the next two weeks got 15 of her family members to come to church and they all gave their life to Jesus they filled up two rows because in spite of everything we had a team of people willing to occupy a street when somebody said it was impossible can I just ask you today church What is the impossible thing that God is putting on your heart? That others would say it's never going to come to pass. And honestly, if it's in your own might, it's going to like blow away in a tornado. But because it's a God plan and you're choosing to occupy your street, you're going to see the hand of God move in your life. Can I encourage you to occupy your street? Maybe God wants you to be the spark that brings life change at your school or your work. You see, when God gets a hold of somebody, it doesn't matter how nondescript the life is. It doesn't matter how much you've done or not done. Because God wants you to occupy your street, there could be a day coming where you impact everyone that you meet. You remember the donkey that carried Jesus into the city? Like he woke up a donkey. And the next day, he was still going to be a donkey. But because the king sat on him, because Jesus sat on him, he became the carrier of a king. And church, can I tell you, everywhere you go, if your faith is in Jesus, everywhere you go, you carry the king with you. So you're not stepping out in your power. You're not stepping out in your might. You're not stepping out in your resurrection ability. You're stepping out under the authority and the power of the king who you're carrying. You see, Nelson Mandela was in prison for a huge part of his adult life, and he chose to turn his prison into a pulpit. When others would say, I'm here wrongfully, when others would say, I can't do anything, he just began to preach. And most of the guards around him got saved. And as they would take those guards out and put new guards in, they would receive Christ. He occupied his street. Rosa Parks turned a bus ride into a breakthrough when others would say you cannot she said I will 
what looks like nothing to our world is something. Because God has you there for breakthrough. Martin Luther King Jr. went on a march one day. And it wasn't just a march. It was an ignition for a moment. You know, the Bible says that God takes the foolish things of this world and uses them in order to shame their wives. What if, what if you and all your people around you would say you're the most unlikely person to ignite a God movement in your work or your school or your city? And what if God says, I want you to do something significant now? Do you know where that starts? Occupy your street. Take whatever's in your hand, whatever gift, whatever talent, whatever ability you have, and occupy your street and use that and watch how God will throw opportunity, opportunity after opportunity and doors open. What's different about your life? When you walk into your school or walk into your job because your faith is in Jesus, wherever you go, you carry the king. God is not looking for perfect people. He's looking for available people. You are one moment away from being powerfully used by God. And that church is simply a choice. Can I tell you today, occupy your street. 2018, occupy your street. 2017 may have been horrible. Occupy your street. Pick yourself up. Put your eyes on your king and carry that king everywhere you go. Occupy your street. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're here today. And you're one, you're here today, and, and maybe you think back the past and you go, I remember a time where I had hopes and dreams and visions and plans. Life happened. And now you can't even see the plans or remember them. And you're just thinking, well. That must not have been God. I want to pray for you today. This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit amarillofellowship.com.